We are uh, in Exodus 33. Exodus 33 is a great passage of scripture. I guess all passages of scripture are great <laughs> passages of scripture, but this one has so much uh, truth that we can apply directly to our lives um, that it's actually pretty amazing. Um, we are in the part of Exodus where uh, they have built the golden calf and God has dealt with them and is dealing with them. <laughs> and what we're actually looking at a lot is the intercession of Moses. And today we're going to look at the third intercession that Moses makes for the people. The, um, the good morning, the, uh, the first intercession that Moses makes, it's just interesting to watch the way he does this. God, and we're going to do this real quick because we don't have tons of time, but God says, I'm going to destroy the people for worshiping the golden calf, and I'm going to replace them with you, Moses. And Moses appeals to God that that not happen, and he appeals based on the character of God. So the first intercession, Moses appeals based on the character of God, specifically the covenants that he's made. Uh, he reminds Israel or God that God chose Israel, so based on his choice and also based on the fact that his name will be debased or degraded among the Gentiles if they say you brought them out just to kill them. Then, then the second intercession in chapter 32, Moses is um, concerned that the people need their sins forgiven and he goes to appeal, and he really has no reason that God should forgive the people's sins. And there really is no reason why God should forgive our sins. He has nothing to say, except God, take me with them. Count me with them. So if you're gonna destroy them, destroy me as well. If you're gonna let them be forgiven, forgive me and them. And God's response to that is no. Every person is responsible for their own sin. Now, I can't, can't do that. So he has no reason other than he asks to be counted with the people. He asks to be included in that judgment. And then God tells him, and we talked about this last week, um, he says, look, uh, go on up to the land. Um, I promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, go on up. I'm going to honor my covenant. And secondly, I'm going to send an angel to guide you. And thirdly, I am going to drive out all the people, all of your enemies. Personally, I, God, will drive out those enemies. And fourth, it's going to be a really good land. Sounds pretty good. Everything that they want except for one thing. Anybody remember what was the one thing? I will not go with you. I will actually, I will not go among you. Um, I will be outside of the camp. And to make that very visual, Moses sets up a place to meet with God and it says it is far out of the camp. So when Moses wants to meet with God, he has to leave the camp, go to those people. And the people's response is the perfect response. They mourn. They strip off their ornaments. And when Moses goes out to, the, to God, they stand and they watch him go and they worship God. And I think they're repenting. 
I think this is their national repentance for what they've done. It doesn't say that, but that's what I think. So now Moses has one last intercession, and the intercession is God go with us. And it's interesting the way that he approaches this. What he's going to do is ask God to go with them, and this is going to be based on the special relationship that Moses has with God. God, you and I enjoy this special relationship. And how will anybody know that we have this special relationship if you don't go with us? It's based on the fact that God's presence is intimately tied in with us finding favor with God and God knowing our name. So this is based on the, the special relationship. His argument with God is based on the special relationship that God has with Moses. <clears throat> and what Moses says in this passage, I just think is so apropos for us. So let's read it first, and then we will um, we'll talk about the different parts. Starting actually in verse 11, uh, this is in this section of the tent of meeting, and it says in verse 11, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again, uh, when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. Um, there is something special about Moses and God. They speak face to face. By the way, we know that that's an idiom because he's actually not seeing God's face because in the next chapter he's going to ask to see God and God says no one can see my face and live. So uh, this is an idiomatic expression. They talk intimately with each other. Okay, and now we get into this passage for this week. Verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said... I know you by name, and you also have found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? Um, the passage begins in verse 12. Moses says to God, you tell me to bring up this people, but you won't tell me who you're sending with me. Um, if you go back to the beginning of chapter 3, 33, God says, or it says in verse um, 1, at the end of verse 1, um, that he's going to send an angel with them. Um, no, verse 2, I will send an angel before you. Uh, the word angel there is just messenger. Somebody's going to go with you, Moses. Moses wants to know who it is. And the implication is nobody is sufficient other than God. Um, Back when Moses was before the burning bush and he didn't want to go up, God promised to send someone along with him. Who did he promise? Aaron, <laughs> right? 
Uh, that turned out to not to be the best choice in the world. I mean, it's, a, it's God's choice, so it's a perfect choice, but, but it didn't work out so well for Moses. He's the one who did the golden calf. Moses is saying, who are you sending with me? But I think what he's really saying is, and he's going to state it clearly, uh, you need to be the one who goes with us. But now look what he does. He says, and by the way, we don't know where this was said, but apparently God has said this to Moses. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. So somewhere along the way, we don't know where, God has said to Moses, I know you by name, and you have found favor in my sight. Uh, that's a pretty special thing for God to say to Moses. Um, does God know you by name? Yes, right? He sure does. And by the way, when we say that, there's two ways to know, right? God says, um, um, Jacob I have known, okay? He talks about people he, he knows, and he talks about people that he doesn't know. God knows everybody. He knows every name, but this is a different thing. This is knowing their name, and it, it means that they belong to him. Um, there's some great verses about knowing uh, your name. It says here, go over to Jeremiah chapter 1. Um, the prophets who were specially chosen, oftentimes God would speak as one where he knew them. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Before Jeremiah was born, God knew him and knew his name. Um, that sounds so similar to Ephesians chapter 1. Um, I chose you when? before the foundation of the earth. We are one of God's chosen ones. We are the ones who God knows our name. Um, uh, since, since we're over by um, Isaiah, just back up to Isaiah chapter 49. This is a verse now that is uh, enshrined in a song before the throne of God. <coughs> Isaiah 49:16 says, um, Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Your walls are continually before me. And it talks before that about can a woman forget, and it's God speaking, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion? And then he says, I have engraven you on the palm of my hand. I'm not exactly sure what engraving on the hand is, but I, I picture it like a tattoo, right? so that whenever God looks, he sees our name. Um, Jesus in John 10, my sheep hear my voice, and I, I know them. So we are, when we read this passage, this applies to us as well. How about this? Have we found favor in his sight? Yes, we have. But that was an interesting thing because as I was studying this, I thought, what does it mean to find favor in God's sight? And I, I looked through the Bible where it talks about that. And um, it's mostly in Genesis and Exodus. This is something that Moses uses. He uses it a lot. 
And it has the same implication that we have for when we talk about a favor. So if I come up to you or you come up to me and say, would you do me a favor? What, what are we asking for? Something the person doesn't have to do for us, right? If, if they have to do it, it's not a favor. Um, I don't know about you, but when somebody asks if they, can I do you, a, or would you do me a favor, my first question is always, it depends. <laughs> What's the favor? Because, because if I say yes, I've just committed to all sorts of stuff, right? Uh, tell me what the favor is, and I'll tell you if, if I'm willing to do that for you. Um, the first person that is said found, finds favor. Anybody know? Noah. Noah, and in the King James, it doesn't say find favor. It says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a sinful man too. He could easily have been wiped out by God uh, without any problem, but he finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. Our Bibles now will say find favor. But then if you think about what unmerited, what grace means, it's unmerited favor. He found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Um, J, uh, Joseph, or Jacob, when he is dying, calls Joseph in and says, if I have found favor in your sight, make sure that my bones get carried out and buried with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's bones. That's a favor that I want you to do, but he says, if I have found favor in your sight. Um, I have come over the course of this study this week to think that the finding favor in your sight primarily is dealing with God's presence. God's favor is extended to us and that his presence is with us. Um, we could go through a whole lot more verses. Let me just give you a couple of examples. Um, what does the angel say to Mary when she comes and he comes? Hail, favored one. What? The Lord is with you. That's God's favor, is the presence of God in our life. That's what Moses is going to be arguing. You're saying that I'm favored, but you're going to take my, your presence away from me. The two don't make sense. Um, go over to, John, uh, to Matthew chapter 1. This is also part of the nativity story, of course, but this is, this is, um, <clears throat> This is God speaking to Joseph. Uh-oh, there we go. I don't know whose watch that is, but it was beeping. So um, Matthew 1, uh, God, uh, the angel comes to Joseph. And he says, but as he considered these things, behold, he was considering putting Mary away. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Um, when the angels say, peace on earth, goodwill with men with whom he is well pleased, it's because from here on out, there's going to be the presence of God. When Jesus is leaving in the upper room discourse, he tells his disciples, I'm going to leave you. And their response is almost the same as the, Egypt, I mean, the Israelites' response. 
This is a catastrophe. This is a disaster. And what does Jesus say to them? Say to them, it is to my benefit that I leave. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will be sent. And the Holy Spirit will be there. His presence will be there to lead and to guide you. And to, to lead you into all truth and to speak for you. And, and his presence is, is more valuable than me staying here with you. Physically, there was a separation. Now God's presence is there. And Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Okay? So we could go through more, but I think what Moses is trying to do here is establish this. If you know me by name and you have found, I have found favor in your sight, then do not remove your presence from me at, at any level. Rod. No, I would say that any one of us who are a believer has found favor right. in God's but, eyes. But, but back then, was the Holy Spirit not necessarily always in the presence of the individual? Yes. So oh, so that when, he, when Moses says, I have found favor, right. yeah. So I, have, I, have, I have you in my presence. Not everybody in the Old Testament has a presence. That's right. The presence of God in the Old Testament would come upon people. Yeah, we know it came upon the prophets, may have come upon others as well. Um, so I'm not sure what you're, are you asking or are you just stating? I'm just asking, is there a distinction? I mean, the, the Holy Spirit wasn't necessarily on all who may have believed that Christ was coming. Yeah, um, I don't know how to answer that. So we're just gonna let that hang there, okay? So <laughs> now, here's the thing. Look, we, if, let, let's just make the assumption, may not be a correct assumption, that everyone in this room is a believer. So we all have, God knows us by name, and we have found favor in his sight. And yet, sometimes the spirit feels pretty far from us. If we're honest, we go through times where we, we wonder about his presence. So I want you to look at what Moses says next, because I think this is um, an amazing insight that Moses has. He says in verse, oh, I'm in Matthew. And by the way, some of this will be a repeat of what we talked about last week, but that's okay. We can hear it two weeks in a row. It's important enough. Verse 13 says, now, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I might know you in order to find favor in your sight. So he says, if I have found favor, and, and I think because he just stated it, we can assume that that's more like a since, since I have found favor, but if um, I have found favor, what? What does he ask God to do? Show me your ways. Why does he want to know God's ways? That I may know you. And what happens when we know God? We find favor. This is um, a, an endless loop, okay? We end where we started. And at first you say, well, wait a minute, you already said you found favor, but here's the thing. This 
showing us his ways. His ways are deep, and we will spend a lifetime learning the ways of God. We will spend an eternity uh, learning to know God. And therefore, we can move, I think, deeper into God's favor, not in the sense of, of um, theoretically so, but in terms of the way it manifests our, itself in our lives. So the goal is, is actually this. The goal is to know God. Until we have found favor, we're not going to even be interested in His ways. Once we have been shown His ways, by obedience to His ways, we begin to know God. This is the goal right here. And yet we go through this continuous cycle. What I think happens often for us is that we fail at this point. Um, because I don't think God, Moses is just saying, show me your ways. He wants God to show him his ways, but really what does Moses want? It's to follow in God's ways. He wants, he, this isn't an academic exercise, teach me your ways. This is show me your ways so that I can follow them, so that I can know you. And if we don't do this, in other words, if God shows us our ways and we say, yes, God, but I'm going to go my own way, then what we're going to find is even though we are favored ones, you are not going to get to know God. And God's presence will seem farther and further, whereas this, you're going deeper and, and deeper. Um, Sorry, yes. Yes. If you're a believer, you're in God's favor. Um, you, you have been grace has been extended to you. Uh, but but the Christian life should be a continuous. Uh, deepening of that relationship and a, uh, a more um, commitment to following his ways so that we can know him better. So none of us in here knows God the way that we should. Or maybe I should ask that. Does anybody here know God exactly the way that we should? No. And why not? Well, it's because of the sin in our life. It's when we decide to go our own way. Um, seems like there's a verse on that, right? All we, we, we like sheep have gone astray. We have each turned to our own way. Right? So, we, um, go ahead. And I lost the last part of the verse, and I should know that one. Like, okay, some of you help me. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Thank you. Boy, it was like, where, where's the rest of that verse? Thank you, April, Darla. Yes, and that's, that, that's, that's wonderful. Maybe we should share that with everybody, what you've got written in your Bible. This, yeah. also, this circle reminds me of the whole issue of favor of God, knowing God, 
showing you your way because our personal sanctification yes. so I think what you were saying. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but what I do know is that to get to here, we have to have this, and I think we all have that, but it's right here where we go, go astray. Um, the, in the Chronicles of Narnia, some of you read those books. There's, I think it's Prince Caspian, but I can't remember the exact book. Um, they are uh, trying to get somewhere, the four children and a dwarf that's with them, and Lucy gets a vision of Aslan, who's the Christ figure in the book. And Aslan says, basically, without speaking to her, lets her know, you need to go this way. She doesn't follow him. She goes to the other children. She says, we need to go that way. And they won't go, and then there's this um, vote that they take, and she loses the vote. And they go, and they go way out, and they go way far afield, and then they have to backtrack all their steps. And then Aslan comes again and says, why didn't you follow me? And she kind of makes some excuse, and then she asks the question, well, what would have happened if I would have followed you? And she says, I'm not going to tell you that. You don't get to know that. But the point was that if she had trusted, then she would have learned to trust him more, was the idea. The, the, the showing the ways is critical, but obedience to them is even more critical. Um, let, me, let me look at a couple of verses here. Uh, go to Psalm 25. Actually, go to Psalm, the, we'll go to the Psalms first. Go to Psalm 103, <clears throat> verse 6 and 7. <clears throat> it says, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made his ways known to Moses. God answers this prayer. He made his ways known to Moses and his acts to the sons of men. Um, I, I think it's important that in there, God is giving us glimpses of who he is. Justice, righteousness, we see his acts, but he made his ways known to Moses. Uh, go over to Psalm 25, since we're in Psalms, just back up to Psalm 25. Uh, verses uh, four through six says, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been of old. Uh, David cries the same prayer. Teach me your ways. Help me to know your ways. And in it we see his understanding who God is. If you go down to verse 10, um, actually, go to verse 8. God is upright. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. That's his favor. He leads the humble in what is right, and he teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Um, so this... I, I, if, if we don't follow God's ways, if we know his ways and we choose to disobey what God is telling us, our ears become dull of hearing and we find it harder to hear him leading us and we find that the presence of God, the, the knowledge of God is, is hindered, it's, it's, it's blocked. 
And yet that is the goal, is to know God. Now somebody had a comment, Rod. Very good. Paul deals with it a lot. We see it there. We see it in Titus. We see it in Philippians and Ephesians. Rich. I like the, the fact that you put the wheel up there. And, and when it says, uh, show me your ways, and we've made the decision to not know God's ways, it's not been audible in my life, but when I do make go my own ways, it's like God says, okay, I'll be here right when you get back. Yeah. I'll be right here. Just, I'll be waiting for you. Yeah. And then you go off and toil and then realize you shouldn't have gone that way. Yeah. And there he is. He does, but I think the U-turns set us back as well. Um, you know, it's 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 like practicing wrong. Um, you know, if if you if you're doing something wrong for a long time, it's hard. Then you have a habit of doing it wrong. We harden our heart and makes it easier to harden our heart. We choose not to listen to him, it makes it harder to hear his voice in the future. So, but you're right. Because I, I think the constant is this. We have, if we're believers, we have found grace, we have found favor. And ultimately, we will know God. Our job here is to, to follow his ways so that we know him better. We're in his favor, we're believers. That's right. He wants us back on track. Because he knows our name. Absolutely. And we are his children. And he will do that. Let me... Um, I want to spend just a bit more on knowing God. I have a favorite book, you can tell, because it's almost uh, not even usable anymore, (laughs) Knowing God. I've given a lot of these away over the years because it's such an important book to me. I want to read something to you out of, this is chapter three, it's called Knowing and Being Known. Um, This is worth the price of the book right here. What were we made for? To know God. What aim should we set ourselves for ourselves in life? To know God. What is the eternal life that Jesus gives? It's knowledge of God. And then he quotes, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. What is the best thing in life, bringing more joy, delight, and contentment than anything else? Knowledge of God. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understands and knows me. It's Jeremiah 9. Now this one's interesting. Which, what of all the states God ever sees man in gives him the most pleasure? What gives God the most pleasure? Knowledge of himself. I desire the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings, says God. Uh, This is our goal. It's to be like Christ, it's to know God. That's the goal. There's only one way to get there and that is by 
following his ways. Um, Packer, this is J.I. Packer, he, um, he lists, talks about what is involved in knowing God. And it's going to be very similar to what we just said. He says, first, we need to listen to God's word, receive it, and receive it as the Holy Spirit interprets it. We need to know his word, and we need to receive it. We need to notice God's character and nature as revealed in his works and his words. And as we read those Psalms, I was talking about following his ways, it always brings up his character, who he is, and why we do that. Three, we need to accept his invitations to do what he commands. That's this one right here. We need to know his ways, we need to accept his invitations to do what he commands. And then finally, we need to recognize and rejoice in the love that he has shown. And this approach draws us into divine fellowship. Um, if you go to 1 John chapter 1, um, the idea of being in fellowship with God and walking in fellowship and having that fellowship get deeper and deeper is what is being spoken of in 1 John 1. And it has to do with um, desiring to live a life where we follow him and don't sin. Um, so in verse 5, it says, this is 1 John 1, 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is in us. Um, if there's any takeaway from this morning, and maybe it would be time to just give a little time to reflect, have you been saying no to God? <laughs> Have there been things where you feel his leading and you simply say, I, I can't do that or I won't do that? Um, are there times where you know that an action that you're going to take is actually sinful and you choose to do it regardless because I want to do it? Because when we find ourselves in that position, we are basically saying, I don't want to know your ways. And if we say, I don't want to know your ways, you ultimately are saying, I don't choose to know God. The knowledge of God is not as important as whatever it is that I'm deciding to do that is not in accordance with his ways. Um, we didn't quite finish the, the section, but I wanted to give a chance for some comments, Kirk. That's right. Because the knowledge surpasses their understanding. Yeah. It's really almost show me the mystery of your ways. And that only comes from this relationship with God. And this is, it strikes me, this is a prayer. This is their highest prayer that, you know, God would reveal his character and his nature and his secret parts to them. Yeah. It's not something that you would do. Yeah. And, 
Yes, that's right. Um, yeah. In, inherent in what you're saying is that ultimately faith is involved, which we haven't spoken of this morning, because without faith it's impossible to please God. Without faith it's impossible. There's, there's a faith element here that we can trust that if we truly submit ourselves to His ways, that He will bring us to the knowledge of, him, of Himself. Yes, exactly. Yep. And they're judged by that. Uh, and then there's the truly knowing God, where it's you know, deeper Christian love that you have with relationship. And that's what you found favor. Um, exactly. Very good. Any other comments or questions? Tom? Exactly. Study would be a part of it to know what his word says. But you, like you, both you and Kirk are saying, to know what his word says and to not obey it is effectively to say, I really don't want to know your ways. Show me your ways, which means I want to obey your ways. And without that, we are going to live a life that we're, we're kind of spinning around up here. We found favor and we don't really get to know God. So, Rod, you had a comment. Well, I mean, what, what Kirk and Tom are saying is when we want to trust God and our obedience, we experience God. And, and we experience that closeness because we are obedient and we have been obedient. And, and when the next opportunity to be presented to be obedient, if we can reflect on the fact that I didn't want to do this in the first place, but I followed you and did what you said. Now I'm going to do it again. Yep. And it's, yeah, so you're learning to follow him by following him. Yeah. Exactly. So it's a, it's a powerful passage. We didn't quite get all the way th through it. <laughs> God answers that prayer. And I actually think that's important. God says, yes, Moses, I'll go with you. Um, I will show you my ways because that's the prayer that God is going to answer, right? It's completely in his will. It's a prayer that you can pray. Show me your ways and give me uh, the, 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 uh, the ability from your spirit to obey your ways. And if you have spent a long time saying no to God, it's gonna take a long time for his voice to become 
um, uh, where you're going to be able to hear it, I think. That's my own opinion. I don't know if I have a verse for that, except that you harden your, your voice. It may be that you just need to, to start out with baby steps again. God says, do this, and I go ahead and do it, even if I'm not, I, I, I'm not sure how that's going to look, but, but, but if we've said no to God for a long time, we may be so far back up here that we need to start almost over. And then some of you have been doing that consistently. When God, when God lays something on your heart, you're immediately obedient to it, and you will be much further along in that, that cycle. Or again, the cycle is actually a true cycle. The more we know God, the more we know His ways, the more we can understand Him, the more we feel His presence among us. Anything else before we finish, Darla? You're kidding. That's never happened to me. So you may want to come talk with me because. Um. Um, you know, like I, for me personally, like I've been saying, you know, I want to be certain. Like I, I know I'm saved and things like that, but I also want to be certain of what I know the truth to be, and I want to make sure that what I understand in the Bible is what the Lord wants me to understand, as opposed to like me, you know, going off to the desert. Yeah. Um, let, me, let me finish with this. Thank you, Darla. Let me finish with this. You know what Moses is next? After this, he basically says, how will the nations know that we're distinct if you don't go with us? Well, we could spend a whole lot of time talking about that, but what makes us distinct as a people is God's presence with us. I spoke to the elders on Tuesday, and I spoke out of this passage. I was asked to do the devotional for the elder, and I said, what makes Grace Church of the Valley distinct? that's what Moses says, what will make us distinct? It better be God's presence. It better not be that we teach expositorily. <laughs> better not be that we have a good music program or a good children's program or that we have people who are serving. Those things all flow from God's presence among us. But if God's presence is not among us, and I mean in a, uh, obviously where two or three are gathered, his presence are there, but we also know God removes lampstands. <laughs> he removes his presence from churches in the sense of allowing them to flourish. If it, if, if it isn't God's presence among us, then we are not distinct, no matter what we think. Um, but then the very next thing that Moses prays, and I, I think this is so significant, in verse 17 of Exodus 33, he says, And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. We're back to where we started. Moses says, please show me your glory. That is the proper response to God saying, I have found, you have found favor and I know your name, show me your glory. And that's where God says, well, you can't see my face, but I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and we'll hide you, you'll see my backside. Our desire should be to see his glory. Our desire should be to know him, and if it isn't, if there's none of that desire, you may want to go back and check and see, have you really found favor with God? <laughs> if there's no desire to know God, uh, you probably are, are, are um, don't know him. If there's absolutely no desire to follow his ways 
and to know him and to see his glory, then we have an issue, and it's one that's a diagnostic issue. What's the problem? Is it just you've hardened your heart for so long, or is that God has never actually shown you his favor? It's time to come to him and ask for his favor. Let's go ahead and close in prayer.